So I'm here with Mr. IMAF himself, Alex Elsie. How are we doing, my man? I'm doing good, my friend. Never been called that before, but first time for everything. I this like it. it. First podcast, first nickname. Here we are. <laughs> so talking about quarantine, how are you holding up? How's things? Doing all right, mate. I um, I think I found it. I mean, this is probably common sense, but I think I found it easier at the beginning, um, obviously. And now as we're slowly getting into it and things are dawning, how long it could be before the gym is reopening. Um, it's definitely getting harder, but I think I've been saved by both the weather and Call of Duty Warzone. So that's kind of kept me ship shape for the most part. But yeah, obviously it's not ideal. Well, this is it. It's all a bit of a tricky time as well. I was trying to keep that kind of consistency because... The real thing what I'm quite concerned with is everyone being used to going, you know, 100% all the time to then having to completely abruptly switch it off and just how they're going to, you know, cope with that and then hopefully come back as well afterwards. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, like you said, the the whole consistency issue, you go from training most days twice a day to, I mean, literally, mate, I've been doing, I've been working out every day. I've, I've barely taken... I actually can't remember the last time I took a day off. It was probably right at the beginning of the quarantine, but I mean, that's pretty easy because I'm only training once a day and that's for 45 minutes to an hour each day. And it's not really martial arts specific. Like I've been doing shadow boxing, but then I've pretty much only been uh, doing either cardio, so running or on the bike mostly, um, or lifting weights. And yeah, I mean, it gets old quite quickly in comparison to all the the fun stuff, like we're not weightlifters, we're not, we're not marathon runners. Do you know what I mean? Everyone wants to be out doing what they enjoy, which is the jujitsu, the kickboxing, the wrestling, all the good stuff. In regards of your solo training at the minute, how are you keeping things interesting? Like, do you have anything you're working off of, like any online stuff or just your own stuff of what you're doing? I just make it up, man. To be honest, each day. So I, w- I was getting really into running, and because there's quite a few hill, my SI which is like lower joint, like uh, on, can be on either side of your lower back slash hip. Um, so I've had to cut back on that. So that was kind of keeping it interesting in terms of just finding different routes to run um, and then switch from that to the bike quite a lot. Again, can go a bit longer, a little bit different um, places and stuff. And then with the weights, I just kind of go off feel. Um, but yeah, it's certainly not as fun. Um I have found that my shadow boxing has actually been a bit more interesting by watching like online content. Um, there's some good YouTube channels and stuff out there. So then, I mean, a lot of it is similar stuff in terms of like slips, rolls, parries, um, but it's kind of been tightening up a lot of the stuff I've been wanting to go over and I've got a mirror. So I just check everything in the mirror. Um, and yeah, that's kind of, been the main like martial arts area i've been focusing on and mixing it up via other people's ideas rather than just my own well that is something i wanted to sort of touch on as well because you've trained a few different places and you compete at different levels and all over the world it's more just things you've picked up in that sense so talk us through how you got into mma in the first place um so i think i was 15 so that's 2009 and basically um one of my friends kind of showed me some highlights of like Anderson Silver on YouTube. Um, that kind of caught my attention. And then basically I started watching, I think it was the same year, The Ultimate Fighter with uh, Bisbing versus Henderson. And they had quite a lot of good uh, names on that season. And then about two years later, so when I was 17, um, I'd just been watching it as like a casual fan. Um, but I'd kind of, at that point lost interest in like actively competing in sport because I used to originally I was big into rugby and then I got really into tennis um but you know like when you're 17 college and stuff and you're kind of more into like socializing and sports kind of dying off compared to school um so I was kind of at a point where I just fancied trying something new so I went and tried uh the MMA class at um, Tsunami Gym in Cambridge as part of a like an elective project at college. Um, it was called EP. And yeah, we basically got to pick whatever we were interested in. And obviously I was interested in martial arts. So I just kind of used it as a 
excuse to go try it out. And then, um, yeah, so that was what, like eight and a half years ago or something, 2011, just got hooked on it really just, and then slowly just got more and more, um, I don't want, I can't think of the word dedicated. That's a terrible word, but yeah, I guess dedicated, committed to it, committed. That's the word, not dedicated, committed to it. Um, and got more serious into it. Yeah. So regards of getting into it in training, what was, where did the desire to actually fight from? Sorry. Caught my, yeah, that kind of transition, because obviously the training in itself is fun in its own right, but then to switch it up a gear and then, want to compete becomes a different animal entirely how did you mm-hmm. transition into that wanting to fight opposed to doing it just for fun um so basically when i first started out i was training like three times a week um it's like tuesday thursday saturday or something like that and on saturday there'd be a sparring class so we'd get kind of everyone just waiting outside the ring for like a shark tank type thing. And you'd go in, I think we literally only did like a round or something each, but it felt like, it felt like a long time compared to just doing jujitsu or something like a separate martial art, like boxing or whatever. So I remember just the early experiencing experiences of sparring, just being so like challenging and so different to any other type of sport that I'd done. Um, I was just like very intrigued by it. And then I hadn't really thought about fighting initially, um, but I did really enjoy the sparring. And most of the people that I was sparring with were older than me, like adults. Um, But then as soon as I got some good feedback and stuff, I started to think about it more. And then I went to uni the following year and I realized I wasn't that... um, interested in what i was doing but i thought i'd stick it out um and at that point i was like i really want to try and have an actual fight um and see how that goes so i had actually been training for three years uh before my first fight which is quite a lot of time compared to some people some people just hop in after like six months or whatever um but i'd already been exposed to a lot of sparring and stuff and i actually wanted to fight probably i'd say two years in but i was glad i waited an extra year um, so I think it just built really as my interest in the sport grew and as my technical knowledge, technical knowledge grew as well. Um, even though it wasn't that high at the time. So you said three years before having your amateur fight, did you feel almost a pressure to perform to a certain level having that extra experience? Cause as you were saying, some guys jump in and say six months in or even sooner sometimes, did you feel you were expected to perform at a higher standard? Um, I don't really think I ever thought about it in that sense. I get what you're saying, but I mean, the guy I was fighting, I don't know how old he was, because I I was 20, um, which I guess is fairly, I guess, old to start competing. Um, But the guy guy I fought was, I think he was like 2-0, so he'd already had two fights, two wins. I think he finished both of them as well, like in the first round or something. So I wasn't really feeling too much pressure. Um, And at the time, when I was younger that's what like six years ago i was a bit more um it's not about reckless or cocky but i think i i wasn't as much of an overthinker back then so i think i uh i was just ready to go i thought i was just gonna go in there and smoke it so um it was actually a pretty hard fight in fairness but uh, at the time yeah I, I don't think i really felt the pressure it was all just new experiences and getting going how did you feel on fight day and everything else? Were you quite composed? Were you excited? Were you? How did you feel? Um, I think I was excited. You know, the only thing I can remember about the fight day, other than the fight, was basically at, um, it used to be BCMMA where I had my first fight, run by uh, Jack Mason, um, and now it's Cage Warriors Academy Southeast, um, and at the at the back where you enter the cage, kind of the the waiting area when you're the next out, there is like a big curtain and it's like a really dark room. And I remember running up these stairs, like a short set of stairs to go behind the curtain to then walk out. I remember just letting out this big woo! Like... Like Ric Flair. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Basically Ric flair my way into it. Um, but yeah, I think until that point, I hadn't 
in hindsight, obviously that was like nerves, adrenaline turning into like excitement because I didn't really know what to expect exactly. And I remember my coach, uh, my old Thai boxing coach, Com, was like, oh, kind of relax, settle down type of thing. Because um, obviously you don't want to go in and blow your wad straight away on nerves. Everyone gasses in their first fight, which I did, funnily enough. Um, but yeah, I think that's the only real memory of nerves or anything. I guess it was just excitement, but I was kind of, because I hadn't competed in a while in anything. Like I, I didn't do any jiu-jitsu, really, no jiu-jitsu tournaments before that fight. Um, I'd done like some semi-kickboxing, semi-contact kickboxing at uni. Obviously, that's nothing like an MMA fight. Um, and yeah, it's, it is a different vibe to sparring. So I think, I think that's why I was more excited than nervous um, because I, I didn't really know what to expect. And I was a bit naive in hindsight. How did you find training whilst being at uni? Because obviously, sort of uni lifestyle. Because we talk about like people when they're quite young, starting MMA, and then they sort of get the distractions. But when you're at uni, you have all that free time, and you have you know freshers and all this kind of stuff. How did you find keeping up with training whilst everything else is going on? Mm. Well, basically, um, in first year, I'd say I did the normal kind of uni thing of going out like three times a week um, up until like about Easter because that was when I had my first like a uh, little tournament I guess for um it was like an inter uni so with like other unis um kickboxing tournament so I was like right I'll have a month of eating eating better um and not drinking and stuff and then again it just it just like grew like second year I stopped going out as much and then um, I was training. I kind of upped my training as well because in first year I was training at uh, a lot of like the uni clubs. Like I just do jujitsu once a week, but then I'd go to the boxing society. I'd go to kickboxing and just kind of work around. I wouldn't do any wrestling. Um, but then second year I got more serious and went to like Bad Company, which is a pretty good Thai boxing gym. Um, Where did you go to? Uni? I had was that my in Leeds. In Leeds, yeah, in Leeds. And uh, then I had my first fight in the summer in between second and third year. And then because I messed up my wrist in the fight, I knocked the guy out. But I, it was like the most terrible punch I've ever thrown. It was horrible. Tech. It was a, a great punch in that it was effective, but it was terrible in that my wrist was not in the right place. So I messed up my wrist. And so I was just doing a lot of gym and stuff uh, in third year and like bag work. But I think I probably didn't balance my social life quite as well i just stopped going out as much i wasn't as interested in drinking um obviously you get more serious with like uh your academics and stuff too um that kind of fed into it but like a lot of the time i'd go to the gym in the morning and then go do a class or whatever in the evening whatever martial art it was um but yeah i think especially in second and third year like i just wasn't I just kind of realized where my priorities were, I guess, and I wasn't as bothered about socializing and stuff. Um, not as regularly, anyway. That is really interesting. So, regards of... Um, there's so much to dissect in that as well. So, regards of how you carry yourself throughout these fights, what was your sort of emotional attachment to them? Did you put a lot of weight on these fights? Were they just a bit of fun? What was your... How much pressure did you put on those fights? Um, I mean, the first one, I remember my coach telling me, obviously I didn't really have, I knew I wanted to win, um, but I can't remember thinking about, I don't really remember thinking about the possibility of losing in the first fight. Like I said, I was a bit like cocky and naive. Um, I think when I first started getting into the sport i was always interested in watching like the best people like my favorite fighters are still like gsp john jones and obviously they're like serial winners like and they're like kind of surrounded with the terms of words like greatness and stuff um so when i in the first fight i didn't really think about the consequences of losing or anything um but then because it was a really close fight um until i got the guy out of there in the second fight, I was actually a lot more nervous, and that was just after that was just after I finished uni. Um, and yeah, for that one, I was 
I was definitely thinking about losing. Well, I was more focused on not losing than winning. And it was just, I mean, the guy was in hindsight, a bit too experienced for me. Um, and yeah, I fought terribly in my second fight, but I think I just focused on not losing enough. And I remember I was like, uh, I was pretty down after the fight. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I just got too muddled up in the, the outcomes because it's your only second ever fight. It's hard when you've only had one or two fights to really put everything into perspective. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Man United and Chelsea, they lose quite regularly or whoever's top of the, I haven't watched football in a while, whoever's top of the league these days, Man City or whoever. Um, but yeah, at the time in an amateur fight, you're thinking, oh my God, this is it. This is The sun's not coming up tomorrow if, if you don't win. Do you know what I mean? But it's not really like that. So the question on everyone's lips at the minute is, when did the blog start? When did Alex LC MMA start? <laughs> the internet sensation, Alex LC. Um, it, <laughs> that's terrible, isn't it? No, I'm joking. Uh, it started, I'd say, at the end of 2016. So what is that? That's what, like three and a half years ago? God, it's crazy it's been three and a half years. But yeah, I think... Um, that year, I'd done some really cool stuff. Like I'd been to America with a couple friends, and we went and stayed in Arizona. And I was training at Henry Cejudo's gym just like once a day in the afternoons. Um, we were there for a few weeks, and then I went and trained for a few days at Alliance uh, Dominic Cruz's gym in San Diego for a few days as well. Very topical. Yeah, yeah, good segue for the uh, fights later on tonight. But um, yeah, I was. I was uh, I was just thinking like at the time, oh, I'm doing all this cool stuff, but I'm not really filming anything. And I'd always been into like at uni, originally before martial arts, I was into like fitness, like watching, um, yeah, just like fitness lifestyle types of vlogs. And no one that I knew of was really doing like MMA vlogs. Because um, I always really like watching like the countdown shows and stuff on UFC and seeing how all the guys would train, what they'd eat, like, just whatever they were talking about, their sleep, just everything like that. Um, but then I also was just interested in like, yeah, the lifestyles as well in terms of just more regular everyday stuff. Um, and yeah, I thought I'd kind of try and blend the two and then see if anyone would be interested because I'd only had three fights when I started. I was 22, had three fights. Um, and yeah, I thought, because I'd already been training a bit, like I figured that no one or not as many people would be interested in watching someone that's just starting out because obviously most people that are watching are probably going to have trained a bit or have a bit of know-how. So if you're watching like a, not like a baby, but like a big absolute beginner starting out, it might be a bit painful. So because I'd already had a couple fights and I'd been training for a while, I was hoping I wasn't going to look too bad on camera. Um and then, obviously, because I was, like, getting into proper, like, regular fights then as well, because I'd finished uni and everything, um, I thought it'd be a good kind of transition period to film that, obviously, um, everyone's going to be starting out, like, really young and stuff. So if they can already see, like, an athlete, like, trying to give it their best um, and be a guinea pig, because you always hear, like, older guys in the gym and stuff you hear about the guinea pig stories about their old fights but like a lot of that was before youtube and stuff so to now actually have people filming um their kind of stories is pretty interesting and i'd say to be honest that's that's what fighting for me is a lot about like stories like a lot of the big stars and stuff um people that attract attention for whatever reason, like be it they're like amazingly skilled or charismatic or whatever the reason is, normally there's a story behind it. So I thought if I'm going to get anyone interested in like my career, my prospects, um, they should probably know my story. And I thought this would um, be a fun way to do it. So, yeah. See, it's quite interesting the way you were describing that, how you wanted to almost be at a certain standard before putting yourself out there. I can't help but feel the people kind of watching that are almost in a similar boat, if not even less experienced. They get the beginners who are a bit like, okay, 
it's all well and good the UFC guys telling me to do this, that, and the other, but it's that too far removed almost. But having someone almost guiding them along the way from like start to finish almost, I mean, it seems a bit almost counterintuitive to try and already be at a certain level before, you know, given your experiences. You see what I mean? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think with the high with the high profile guys, like obviously it's unbelievable to hear their stories and learn from them, but a lot of those will be like soundbite interviews or whatever. They're like three minutes long or they're like, they're, they're telling you about it, but they say, Oh, I, I had this period which was really hard in my life or I had this injury, but like I, I've tried to be fairly transparent as much as I can really on the videos in terms of what injuries I've gone through, like how I've felt after losses, not just wins. Do you know what I mean? So, um obviously it's great to hear in hindsight from people but like i've filmed my reactions after fights and stuff like literally the next morning or whatever so um things can get lost along the way like if you're remembering something from five years ago it's not as easy as if you've actually got it on camera and yeah i can most of my vlogs have been like the whole day like i won't plan that much i'll just i'll just free ball um and say it's like it's probably not the the best way to commercialize um vlogs these days like a lot of people do like film over i don't know maybe a week or a couple weeks and if you look at someone like david dobrik or whatever which isn't to do with martial arts but just like a a massive like vlogger they'll make it like really action-packed um like it'll just be fast moving whereas yeah, I think like a lot of people that are kind of coming up in martial arts or MMA in general, I'd like to think they'd appreciate more of a like a 20-minute video or whatever at that time, which isn't trying to dramatize anything or like over-glamorize anything um, and just kind of give a more like raw, real, how I was actually feeling at the time, like insight into whatever topic I'm delving into. Well, this is definitely a huge side of that. It's like the sort of real kind of rawness of it. And again, what I wanted to really touch on with this is when you... So you're saying that you want to keep your vlogs as honest as possible with what you're doing. But do you ever feel you're trying to act differently so the vlogs can portray that? So not so much doing something different on the vlog, but, you know, the vlog influencing what you're doing in the first place. If you see what I mean. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. So... So, like, sometimes before what, I mean, this is a really stupid example, but, like, it could be something, like, really trivial. Like, I wouldn't say there's anything that's, like, been, like, overarching because it's not like I, like, clickbait any videos with, like, oh, my God, I nearly died. And I, like, grabbed the camera and ran out in the middle of the road or anything. But it would just be, like, it would be, like, really, like, mundane things. Like, if I eat the same thing all the time. Like, I'm like, oh, well, people probably aren't going to want to watch that. So I'll try and mix up what I'm eating on the video or whatever. It'd be something like that. Something small. Change the country than... flavor or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Living on the wild side, yeah. This is it. So regards to your, like, transitions in MMA as such, so what was your... How come you came to BST? What was your transition point for that? Um. So I done like most of my training in Cambridge um, other than at uni um, but basically what happened was the the MMA gym um, had kind of slowly been people had like moved off all the like senior guys who used to be the like big name fighters out of uh, like the original tsunami gym had kind of gone off done their own thing wherever had their own gyms um, and there just wasn't because Cambridge is like a student town. There, there just weren't many like fighters. Like there was a few like amateur fighters and stuff. Um, but the gym just kind of disintegrated a bit, really. And I was just training jujitsu um, with my jujitsu coach, and he's got his own Brazilian top team, which is a really good uh, jujitsu school in Cambridge. Sure. Um, <laughs> plug. And uh, <laughs> then in so I'd go do that in the evening, and then in the daytime I'd go train with one of my training partners. Um, and we'd just we'd just drill like wrestling smash pads and stuff. So I was kind of getting stuff done, um, but 
it, it obviously isn't like having an actual MMA gym with like training partners in your own weight category and like in terms of fighting like I think you kind of need to some degree a good setup and I couldn't really like get any sparring without driving like an hour or anything um and then basically my aunt needed like a house sitter in Northampton um and I've been trying to figure out before what I was going to do training wise because I love Cambridge but I figured I needed to go to like London or Birmingham or somewhere and I hadn't really ever thought about Northampton uh where BST is but yeah my aunt needed a house sitter for a couple weeks um so I came over and then she was like stay as long as you want so I've been here for 10 months so she probably shouldn't have offered me that but um yeah I'm enjoying it BST is a great gym so um yeah it's nice to have pretty much everything under one roof and yeah I mean having a having a small a fairly small gym um most of the time like it's kind of i guess come a good time in like my career or training um point because now is the time where i need like the training partners and uh, everything else for mma because yeah it's it's great like you know to train jiu-jitsu and stuff if that's just your hobby but if you want to fight like you need to do it properly do you know what i mean there's yeah there's quite a few things to sort of touch on there like if you talk about your sort of transitions in martial arts and how long you've been training for and again these kind of huge step because what ultimately what it comes down to it may sound quite trivial of choosing which gym to go to but basically shows where you're gonna basically whose hands are you gonna put your the fate of your career on basically where does your responsibility for your progression where you're going to put that with mm. it becomes a real emotional kind of you know investment because people think oh you know just go to pure gym or go to whichever one's cheapest but no it's not that it's a place where you can really you gel with the coach's sort of style you sort of have people you can work with all this kind of stuff so for that to work out the way it has it's just you know it's pretty good going finding somewhere you can get the progression from that's on the doorstep of your aunt's house, you know, even though you... <laughs> she'd only been there a couple of weeks, let alone <laughs> best part of a year it's been, but, you know, we're after Yeah, yeah um, I think... Um, sorry, go on. I'm about to sort of go from a tangent, so if you want to carry on where you were. Um, uh, I was just going to say, yeah, like you said, um, it's obviously you compete individually, but so much of training is collaboration with the coaches and training partners. So, yeah, I think um as well as yeah an emotional connection like you've got to be you've got to be like selfish in a way because I, I i like really like training in cambridge and stuff um but if the mma training is is better here like that's what i've got to do like the one thing you don't have infinite of is time um you never get time back and obviously athletic windows only so long um so at some point you've got to kind of move on to a bigger bigger pond i guess um but yeah so talk us through the imhaf how come you start doing that um so i'd had that coincidentally was at the start of my uh when i started doing the videos for youtube the vlog um so I'd had, I'd had three fights, um, all on Jack's show on BCMMA, uh, now Cage Warriors Academy, and um, I don't think I knew anyone um, that was doing it like specifically, but I'd heard about it, um, and yeah, I thought it'd just be a good experience to have um, going out abroad and fighting in the tournament against a load of guys that you'd never heard of from other countries and you only find out the night before. It's just kind of a, um, I guess, exciting prospect. And amateur is the time to take all the risks. Like, you know, in pro and boxing or whatever, people play it safe. They have like 20 fights against bums or whatever. Um, whereas amateur, you can kind of just spread your wings a bit. So I thought, why not go for it? and uh, go test myself out against some some of the better people in Europe. So, I need to sort of dissect this a bit more. So when you came to the IMF, for people who don't know, how would you explain the IMF and your situation there? Um, 
So IMAF is obviously it it doesn't it doesn't have every competitor in it right from all over Europe. So you can't you can't say oh, I am like the undisputed European or world amateur champion. But I would say it's as close. I'd say it has the the most valid claim from what I've seen anyway in terms of competitors. Like the standard's pretty high for amateur. Um, so like so pretty much any promotion these days can say oh we have this world title or this European title. But I'd say in terms of amateur, yeah. IMAF would be the gold standard type of thing for amateur. Um, not that every competitor is amazing, but I'd say as a as an average, the competing the competing standard is very high. Um, yeah, and it seems to keep growing. To be honest, so yeah, I think for my involvement, I pretty much yeah just found out about it, signed up online, went to the trials in Leicester at Leicester Shoot Fighters, um, sure. and then. <laughs> shout out and then uh they kind of split everyone up into weight categories um because what because it's same day weigh-ins it's quite different so what most people will do is they'll go up um but because i'm not like a massive weight cut or anything i fight a welterweight so that's 170 pounds a bit heavy at the moment i'm not gonna lie i'm like 190 but i'm quite lean still which is kind of worrying um, so I'm about 20 pounds over, but I think when I started for that, uh, when I found out I was going to like be in the team or had the prospect of going into the IMAF, I was about 82 kilos. So I had about five kilos to lose, but I was already like pretty lean. Um, but yeah, I didn't end up going up, which in hindsight probably was a mistake. I probably should have gone up a weight category. Um, cause if you fight, multiple times in a week um it's pretty draining and you have to weigh in every day that you fight and the day before so unless you get lucky and you get a buy you're weighing in every day which is pretty uh rough so you have to get your weight down get selected for the team and then yeah go get stuck in really and uh pretty much i think when i was doing it the busiest weight categories were welterweight lightweight featherweight about which is probably the same in like i would say they're probably the most competitive in like the ufc because of the general the general population is at least in the west is probably around that weight if you know what i mean like around mm. that 70 kilo somewhere around there that 70 kilo mark um so yeah that was pretty much how i got into it now that's some interesting how you prepare for is so the difference for people listening with IMAF, opposed to normal amateur, you wear shin guards as well as the usual sort of gloves and everything else. But mm. it's the fighting back to back because if you take to a normal fight, the amount of damage you take after a normal fight is like it can be a lot of like loads of niggly things like you know ankles like rolling and like shins and all this kind of stuff like bruises. How did you find your time doing that? Regards recovery and staying fresh enough for the next day without you know leaving too much in the cage the day before yeah i found it pretty rough to be honest because yeah so the 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 first tournament was probably the leanest i'd ever been um i was literally like to to try and not have to cut weight each day to actually be on weight i was like literally running every day um and i'd be i was i remember Towards the end, I got down like before I went out and I was actually on weight and I was running like, I don't know, just like 5k or something. And I was like really fit at the time, but I had to like stop just because I didn't have that much energy. Like I'd have to take breaks just out of needing energy rather than any like cardiovascular issue. Um, but the the plus side of that is you don't have to cut as much weight. But basically how I, how I found it was Say you, you weigh in the day before, um, you might get, I don't know, like one and a half percent allowance of your weight um, that you can be over. You re-weigh in again um, on the fight day. And then I would just like absolutely smash like a huge breakfast. And then once I'd have the fight, hardly eat anything after. And then if I had to like get in the bath or whatever to cut the 
couple pounds or whatever it was. It wasn't much, yeah, but maybe a kilo or whatever. Um, I'd do that. So it was a it was a big juggling act. Um, and yeah, combined with combined with the actual um, fighting and then kind of dodging injuries and stuff. In the first tournament, I think. So I fought, and my I think my neck and my knee were pretty banged up. Um, which I guess are fairly common injuries. But the guy I was fighting the next day, he had had a bite. So obviously he comes in fresh, like raring to go, whereas you've cut extra weight because if they've had a bite, they haven't had to cut weight the day before. And yeah, they haven't been banged up or anything. Um, So yeah, the first one, I remember being pretty tired, but the second tournament I did... um, I won my second fight as well, so I fought three times, and that was harder because that's so that's cutting weight four days in a row. Um, and the first fight, I remember, I got knocked down in the fight with like a big schmeaty overhand right, um, which probably isn't great for your brain cells. And it was it was the hardest. It was probably the hardest fight I ever had. So I was like trying to recover from that, and then I go in against this Italian guy for the second fight day who'd had a bye. So he comes in raring to go. Managed to beat him. Wasn't my best performance ever, but managed to beat him. And then um, I went in against a Swedish guy. And so this is the third day. And I remember I was just so flat. Like, I think it would have been better if I'd fought a middleweight, if I'd gone one up. But I was so flat. And to be honest, it was the only time where I just I just really couldn't be bothered to fight. Um and if anyone wants to go watch it, it's on my YouTube channel. Like, it's weird. I didn't really get going till like the second round, but I remember <laughs> the Team UK coach Nigel, who's a good friend of mine. Shout he was out trying Nigel. to re- yeah, shout out Nigel. He was trying to rear me up, like get me going. And like, I'm a pretty chilled out guy, and I've I've tried the aggressive route in fighting, the whole pump yourself up, listen to music, whatever. But I find that. I compete best when I'm just like zen and chilled, but I was kind of too far down that side of the scale, if that makes sense. I, mm. I was a bit too relaxed. Like I, I didn't really. It's quite a placid kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, placid is a good word for it. I remember he gave me this big smack across the face, this slap to get me going. And I went in there like trying to get the guy out of there, but again, he had, I think he'd had a buy as well. So it's like compound cumulatively or compounding. That guy's also going to be fresh than me. And I remember he dropped me with a head kick. So I'd been dropped in my first fight. I'd had like a tough second fight. And That's I got horrible. dropped in my third fight. I remember walking, going through there. And I lost on a decision. And the guy had like slammed in. The only thing he'd hit me with apart from the head kick, um, which had like cauliflower my was he'd slammed in a few dirty leg kicks. So I was I was limping about. And yeah, by the end, the, all the all the injuries and stuff definitely catch up to you. But I'd say even yeah, even harder than um, kind of the the physical stuff is is the mental because one, like I was saying, you you can feel a bit more flat like once you've gone through the first day. Um, and two, say like how I won both my first fights in the in the both tournaments where I won the first round, I used like a, like a wrestling style, like a takedown style, which is pretty physically requiring. And it's like, it's like, it's a, it's a grinding style, like that DC type of style, Daniel Cormier style. Um, (laughs) another shout out, not that I know, but, um, yeah. And it, it's, I'd say it's hard to get yourself up to do that style again the next day. Obviously some people don't have that because that's probably like their, their default their default style of fighting but um like me personally i've i found it harder to get myself up to like really grind for another fight against like a fresher opponent um multiple days in a row so then i'd mix it up and do like kickboxing or whatever um but yeah it was definitely definitely challenging mentally and physically so looking back what would you do differently because it sounds like strategically either the days the, I don't know is it with each opponent did you have much of a game plan going into it or is it just feel them out and see what happens um 
I'd say on the one on so obviously you only find out the opponent the night before. Um, so I would say I would try and get if I could find anything on YouTube on them, I'd get a loose game plan. Um, and then feel it out and see how I go type thing. Um, I'm, ne I'm never really that strict on game plans, to be honest. I just kind of feel it out and take it where I feel like the fight needs to be taken. But, um, yeah, I mean, on some guys, you couldn't even find any, any tape or anything. So then you just had to go in and wing it or um, you'd kind of stereotype off what country they're from. So, like, I remember... In the last tournament I did, which was the Worlds, so the first two IMAF tournaments I did was the Europeans, and I did one Worlds, and I lost in the first round in a split decision to this guy from Bahrain, but um, he was at, he's actually Russian, I think he's from Dagestan, so I'd kind of seen him already, what he looked like, so I just presumed he was going to be a really good wrestler, and he was, so in some scenarios I had a loose game plan, and then some scenarios I just kind of winged it. So looking back, how would you have done that differently? Would you have gone up to middleweight, do you reckon? Or do you think it was more than just the weight causing the issues to, you know, the, the detrimental sort of things? Um, yeah, I think in terms of recovery, looking back, I think it's interesting because at the time, I wouldn't have changed it like, like doing well to weight. But now, I don't know if it's older. Like now, if I had to go and do a new tournament, I'd do it at middleweight. Like I wouldn't put myself through it. Like I was like miserable, like like getting down onto weight. Like it was like I was so like skinny. It was horrible. Um, so oh, it's a tough, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, at the time, I think it was the right thing. But yeah, for future tournaments, I, if if I did any more, I'd go up. And again, like when it comes to these multi multi fight days, basically, consi what's the word? Consistent. Back to back, what's the one I'm looking for? Consecutive, consecutive fights. Like it's an interesting concept because obviously no one seems to train that way to have those many fights. Like if you have like gym wars that often, like it's not sustainable. So I'm not sure how you'd even go about training for that kind of long. I don't know. How how would you think would be best to train for that? Like going forward. I to be honest, I just treat it like a normal fight because if you. If you're trying to do extra sparring or something, you're just going to get injured or overtrained. Um, so I think, I think it's probably more just, just making sure you're you're mentally you're mentally up for it. Because um, if people, if you haven't fought consecutively multiple days in a row, um, it's a new experience in itself. So, like for the last tournament, unfortunately, I lost in the first round, but like mentally. I was like, because I'd the first the first tournament I had two fights. The next tournament I had three fights. So the last one I was like mentally ready for four or five. Um, and each time I'd done a tournament, like my kind of obviously you want to win the whole thing, but mentally as like a mini goal, like the minimum I wanted was to do better than the last one. Um, so I think yeah, you, rather than physical, I think you just have to mentally prepare yourself um, and tell yourself that it's not going to be easy like cutting weight each day and um, like when it's when it's time to go it's time to go you can't you can't really be feeling flat or oh, today's not the day because at the end at the end of the day um, you've got you got to step up and fight do you know what I mean definitely I mean it gets so specific as well per like case by case like it's not like a I think the thing is a cookie cutter sort of, you know, formula for this kind of thing. Because my sort of point with that is, would you have thought to almost not spar at all to try and save all your sort of gas tank? But And again as well, because you already preempted having four or five fights as like a given, do you think you undervalued your first fight, underestimated it? Oh, uh, oh I see what you mean. Um... Maybe a little bit in 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 the last one, in the one that I lost the mm. first fight. I remember thinking, "Oh man, like I can't believe I've lost the first fight." Like it was almost like you expect yourself to win, and like get the ball rolling type of thing. 
Um, but I, yeah, I don't think saving myself in terms of not sparring or anything. I think I would have just been less sharp if I hadn't sparred, to be honest, because obviously it's the closest closest thing you can get to an actual fight um, as long as you taper off like with a couple of weeks to go so you can be fresh for the fight. Um, and you hear about some of these guys in the UFC and stuff that don't spar, but a lot of them then come back. Like I think Robbie Lawler or Cowboy or, so, or both of them didn't spar for ages and then like Rogan's like, oh, now he's back sparring and he's doing really well. So I, I don't know if not sparring is the answer to well, again, it's all case by case as well. It's more yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a lot of this comes down to extra layers of things. So, for example, if you say if you take, I don't know, like marine kind of basic training, a lot of that isn't meant to be set for you to do. It's meant to be there so it breaks you, and then you how you deal with that. So, in the same sense of these kind of, you're not meant to be able to fight five days in a row. But it's meant to sort of see who's got it in them to try and dig that bit deeper as such. So it's not sure if it's something you're meant to be built to perform under, but more just to deal with as such. Mm. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, I. I mean, I'd love to give an answer like where I could just spell it out and be like, "Ah, uh, everyone. If everyone takes." this approach, it will work for them if they're looking to compete in IMAF in the future. But like you said, there is, there is no cookie-cutter thing. Like like some people get off on training like yoga and doing loads of recovery. Some people train really hard. And I mean, the, the results vary along the way. Um, and yeah, I think, well, because, it, because it's an amateur tournament, like I think... With with ha unless you've competed loads before in like wrestling or jiu-jitsu or boxing or whatever, um, most likely you're going to be working out how to how to fight, how to compete, um, and that that in itself, uh, fighting consecutive days, like that's everyone's going to respond differently. And like you said about the the Marines, it's going to be going to be challenging in various ways to various people um it'd be like doing a jiu-jitsu tournament for the first time that's different because you have to you have to have multiple matches in the same day not consecutive days um so then you've got to like manage energy and stuff different for that so i think you just have to go through it and just try your best really there isn't a there isn't an answer unfortunately so a couple of things before I let you go. So with that format of IMAF, not so much the days of fighting, but fighting with shin guards on, would you like to see that in current MMA and maybe even the professionals as well? Because if you're allowed shin on shins, but you're not allowed, you have to wear gloves. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. I mean, it makes sense to have all or nothing with that. Like, you know, bigger gloves with shin guards, or would you prefer bare knuckle and, you know, shins out? Um, the thing, the thing is about the IMAF shin guards is they're not like, they're not like big padded ones. They're like instep. They're very, it's very thin padding. And to be honest, I didn't notice, like I would never, I never kept the shin guards cause I was never going to spar in them. Like I didn't notice a big deal of difference. I've had like, I think I had six IMAF fights and I've had like nine maybe without shin guards just normal amateur rules um without shin guards and i don't really remember feeling a difference in either one um but i mean maybe people wrestle a bit more in their tournaments to compensate for that to save their shins and stuff but um overall in terms of the rule set yeah for pro i definitely keep the shin guards off even though it doesn't make a big difference it's more just like a comfort issue like they can be like I remember them being like really like tight on your ankles and stuff, um, and you just feel a bit more free flowing without having shin guards on. Um, I think I like I I kind of like the rules how they are. Maybe I'd, to make it a bit more realistic, I'd put in like the old school like soccer kicks or whatever, um, and obviously have the the downwards elbows, which aren't the twelve six elbows that aren't allowed. Um, but I, I, 
I get the argument, like the whole the the whole bare knuckle thing, um, in terms of like purity. But like, if you've watched any of one, uh, people like breaking their hands or having brittle hands and two cuts, um, which I think the bare knuckle boxing, I caught a little bit of that. That put me off a bit seeing some of the cuts and stuff on people's faces, and you look like you're out of a horror movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really fancy that. So I think just keep the gloves and. Uh, I'm pretty happy with the pro rules, but yeah, like I said, maybe make a couple little uh, more violent uh, exceptions. But apart from that, I think the rules and uh, the protection issues are pretty good. Yeah, again, I think it's all case by case in certain elements as well, because the real reason of my thoughts of having that on top of the, you know, the fighter aspect of it is more the marketability, because obviously when it comes to MMA, it's always seen as quite bloody and quite brutal and quite, you know, primitive almost. But from a mainstream point of view, people aren't necessarily always drawn to that. Obviously, we've got our own fighting audience, got the own MMA community, but to you, your usual normie doesn't like cage fighting. Yeah, they, they like the they like the boxing, they like you know the football and that kind of stuff. But you see, I can't help but feel with shin guards, maybe seven ounce ambi gloves, might give it a lot more. I don't know, make it a bit more universal, while mm. still keeping the rules the same, other than just the padding. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. I think um, for amateur, I think having the the rash guard, I, I I think obviously it does make a little bit of a difference in terms of like the grappling and stuff, like how sweaty you are if you're topless. Um, but I remember when I did like my first IMAF tournament, and everyone kind of had like it's almost like a uniform, like the Reebok uniform, or whatever. I thought it did look quite smart. Like it kind of gave it like a like more like an Olympics type of feeling but then when you've got the when you're a bit more like naked you've got no shin guards you've got no top on um i think it gives it a bit more like of a like a fight night feel so i personally i quite like it but i can see i can see why you'd think about like making it more appealing to the wider audience but i think some of those people because they've grown up with football or boxing whatever probably are going to be pretty hard to switch over so it would just be the future generations that are getting more and more into MMA, to be honest, but that's just that's just what I think about it. Again, I think it's open to interpretation as well. I mean, I, I get where you're coming from as well. Now, the most important question of the podcast: Where can people find you? You can find me at Alex Elsie um, on Instagram, and then YouTube is Alex Elsie MMA. Thank you for listening, guys. And this episode has been sponsored by Mauler MMA. Use code FCMMA20 at checkout on mallermma.com for 20% off on all products.